Uh, all right, we will go straight to the Word, and then Pastor Paul will come up and, uh, and preach for us today. We're going to go to uh, the book of John. John chapter 8, verse 31 to 38. John chapter 8, verse 31 to 38. If you don't have your Bibles, I believe you should be up on the screen. There you go. John chapter 8, verse 31. Um, I'll be reading from the ESV version. And just a reminder that this is the Word of God. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham. And we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Verse 35. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Amen. Uh, good morning again. Uh, it's good to see everyone. You're so close, right? Um, which is great. Uh, it's good to be able to see everyone's faces uh, today. Uh, it's good to see that uh, everyone's healthy and surviving. I know that uh, there's a lot of sickness going back around and COVID's resurging. And so uh, hopefully you guys are staying safe through it all. Uh, we're going through this series, as you probably know, called Image Bearers, and we've been through this for a while. Uh, we're on the second last week, and so next week will be the last week. The week after that, we have baptism and confirmation service, so that's a great time to celebrate what God's been doing and will do uh, in this faith family, and then we'll jump into another series after that. But today, I'm going to talk about uh, God is truthful. God is truthful. Now, a couple of months ago, uh, my wife and I, so uni, uh, we were putting our daughter, so our second, uh, Zoe, who's about two and a half years old, we are putting her to bed. And uh, Zoe had got into this habit where she only wants mommy to put her to bed. She, she basically wants mommy to do everything, but, you know, especially put her to bed. And so we were trying to get her uh, used to me putting her to bed as well, right, so to even the workload and all that stuff. And so that night, uh, Zoe, we're getting her ready to sleep. We're changing her nappy to a night nappy. And she was like, I want mommy to change my nappy, right? I want mommy to change my nappy. She's saying this all in Korean. And we're like, oh, this is an opportunity. And we said, if mommy changes your nappy, daddy has to put you to sleep. Right, so mommy changes your nappy, daddy puts you to sleep, or daddy changes your nappy, and mommy puts you to sleep, right? Which one do you want? And, you know, I don't know if your kids are like this. Uh, instant gratification, right? Mommy, mommy, I want mommy now. So mommy will change my nappy, and daddy will put me to sleep. And we made a repeater. Right? Say it, you say it. We want to hear it out of your own mouth. Say it. And she's like, yeah, mommy will change my nappy, daddy will put me to sleep. We made her say it twice. I right, say it again. Mommy will change my nappy. Daddy will put me to sleep. Okay, so we changed the nappy, got her ready for bed, and we're going to put her into her room. And as we're about to get into her room, guess what she says? She says, I want mommy to put me to sleep. And we're like, oh. I'm like, remember what you said. Did you say if mommy changes your nappy, daddy will put you to sleep? And she looks at us and she says, no. And we're like, what do you mean? I said, Tell us what you said. Who did you say will put you to sleep? 
And she says, I said, mommy will put me to sleep. And I was so shocked. This is the first time that I can remember that she's lied. It's her first lie. Now, I shouldn't be shocked that she lied, but I was. Because first, she did it so easily. Right? It was so natural to her. Right? She didn't hesitate. It didn't seem awkward. And after she said the lie, she didn't even feel bad about it. It was just as if it was a part of who she was. Right? And she's so young as well. She's only two and a half years old. Right? Children need to be taught how to say please. They need to be taught how to say thank you. It's really hard to teach a child that. They don't need to be taught how to lie. Right? Lying is just something that comes so naturally out of us. Right? Speaking untruths, speaking lies, bending the truth. We start at a young age, and the truth is we just continue that as we get older. It's just that we get better at covering it up, not getting caught with the lies that we speak. Right? Lying is something that every single one of us have done. Right? Every single one of us has spoken an untruth. Right? And if the person next to you says, I've never lied, well, that's a lie. Right? Every single one of us has done this. And it's so natural. We say big lies right, that we try to protect ourselves with. Small lies that don't even affect us. We're just so used to it. White lies. And we excuse it. We say that it doesn't harm anyone. It's okay. We lie in our job interviews. That's a bit hard because, you know, everyone kind of lies a little bit, right? You try to make yourself look better and everyone makes themselves look better than they are to get the job. We lie on our tax returns to get more money back. We lie when we say, oh, you know, I want to go to that thing, but I can't. I'm busy, right? I've got something on. <laughs> a few of us uh, for guilty looks. We've all done that, right? That's a lie. Right? You had nothing on your calendar. You just didn't want to go. And you might call it something else, right? Exaggeration. You're stretching the truth. You're not telling the full story. Right? Everyone else does this, whatever. We all lie. At the end of the day, we all lie. We all lie because we're sinners, right? We are all born, right, with sin inside of us, sinful nature. And so it comes out of us so naturally, we lie because we are sinners. But also, we are sinners because of a lie. If we trace back The reason for why we are sinners, all the way back to Genesis, it all begins with a lie, right? And so that's where we're going to go. I want to talk about this world that we live in that's filled with lies. Now, when God created the world, everything was perfect. Adam and Eve in paradise, living in perfect harmony. There was no sin. But as you and I probably know that this didn't remain that way. But Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. They ate of the forbidden fruit. And from that moment, sin entered the world It entered humanity, it entered the universe, and everything was corrupt. And all of that began with a lie. Adam and Eve were tempted by the lie of the serpent to go that way and turn away from what was true. Satan does two things in Genesis 3. The first thing he does is he tries to distort the truth. In Genesis 3.1 it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Satan tries to twist God's word here. He misquotes it, obviously on purpose. Did God actually say you can't eat of any tree? That's not what God said. But he distorts it. But I can't believe God would be like that. 
Did God really say? Is God really like that? Now Eve responds, and she says this in verse 2 to 3. We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Eve's response is kind of right. right? God didn't say we can't eat of any tree. We can't eat from that one. But this phrase, neither shall you touch it, she added that part on. Right? God didn't actually say that. And so Satan knowingly, purposefully is distorting God's truth. But here, Eve is unknowingly misquoting God. Right? And this is really important because this distortion of truth, when we get God's word wrong slightly, when we misquote it, when we're off maybe by a little, all of that adds up. Right? And in the end, we might end up with a completely different idea of God. Right? You misunderstand a handful of passages in the Bible, and you will end up in a different destination. Right? It's like a plane. You're a few degrees off, but you end up in a completely different place. And maybe because uh, the serpent saw that Eve was already mishandling God's word, he does this. Right? He then goes on to deny the truth. And he says this, verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I know God said you'll die, but you won't die. What God said is not true. That's not right. Not only that, whatever he said is not best for you. It's not good for you. And so eat of it, because you won't die. He's lying. This is the truth. Come this way. It will make you happier. And all of that led to the fall, led to corruption, led to this brokenness in this world. And that began with a lie. A lie that turned Adam and Eve away from what was true. This is who Satan is, right? Satan is a liar. He loves to lie so that it might lead us to destruction and death. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, right? That's what he wants. He wants to bring death and destruction. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he's a liar and the father of lies. And so we have the devil, the serpent, right? Satan, he's a liar. He's the father of lies. That's, that's all he's about. And in contrast to that, we have God. And God is truth. Now, when Satan, he lies for the sake of bringing death and destruction, God speaks truth for the sake of bringing life, right? That's God. In Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Now, God is truthful in two ways. Truthful in the sense that he's honest, right? Everything he says, he's not, he's not trying to trick you or anything like that. But also God is truthful in that he gets to define what is true. He is the definition of what is true. So when God says, this is this, that's the truth. And we don't have to compare that to anything else. He's that final standard of what is true. I said in the God is good sermon that God gets to define what is good. That's a similar idea. When God says this is right, it's right. And when he says this is bad, it's bad. And regardless of what everyone or anyone else might say, God gets to define what is good and what is bad, right? Because he is true. 
And so whatever God says is the truth. It's right. It's the standard. It's the way that we should follow. And when we think about God and the devil and that kind of battle, and by the way, it's a lopsided battle. It's not like, oh, we're not sure who's going to win. Right? God is like, he's, he's already won in, in Christ at the cross. Right? God is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Right? Satan is none of those things. Satan is not all-knowing, he's not all-powerful, he's not everywhere at all times, but God is. So it's a lopsided battle. But when we think about that battle, we tend to think of it as a battle between good and evil, right? Light and dark, life and death, and it is those things. But on a human level, right, for us, we can think of it as a battle between truth and lies. It's a battle for truth. In Romans 1, when the Apostle Paul talks about the fallen condition of the world, right, the brokenness of this world, he says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. The world in general has turned from truth and they're living toward lies. Satan's greatest weapon today is not that much different from way back in Genesis when he confronted Adam and Eve. Satan's greatest weapon is not to possess people. It's not to scare us in the dark. And he may do those things. His greatest weapon is to lie and to make us believe in lies and chase after lies that we might turn away from truth. And the lie is this way is better. This way is good for you, right? This is the way that brings you joy and hope and freedom. Come this way. Don't listen to God. Listen to me, right? Listen to the world. Listen to what people say. Listen to what you see on advertisements. Listen to what the movies say, what culture says, what current philosophy says. That is what you should chase after, right? That is the great weapon of the enemy. The battle that's being waged in the world right now and the battle that's being waged in people's souls is a battle for truth, right? If people would hear and heed the truth of God, then they might be saved. But people don't. They either don't get to hear the truth of what God says, or they hear it and they reject it, and therefore they keep living in a world of lies. It's what the devil is successfully doing to those who do not yet believe. People who don't believe are just, I guess, living in a a mindset of lies. In 2 Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Those who do not believe in Jesus cannot see. The eyes are covered, he's saying. In their case, the God of this world... That's Satan. He has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul is saying that those who don't yet believe, it's because they cannot see the truth about who Jesus is. They cannot see Jesus and therefore they're blinded in their minds. And so they're living lives far away from God. And as God works powerfully, he will unveil people's eyes, open their ears, soften their hearts that they might see and understand who Jesus is. But this world is full of lies and this world is full of people believing them.
And as a believer, if you're a Christian here, this is true for you. Right? Satan's greatest weapon, really his only weapon against you is, is lies. Right? I, I'm of the belief that if you are in Christ, you are his possession and you're under his protection and there's nothing that can happen to you. The only thing that Satan can do is not harm you, but is to make you turn away from the truth. Turn away from the truth of your salvation. Turn away from the truth of what you already have in Christ, that you are forgiven, that you are loved, and that you would turn to these lies and you would willingly walk toward them. Paul says again in 2 Corinthians to the church, he says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, that your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He's saying, I'm I'm worried, church, that just as Satan had tricked Adam and Eve with his lies, that he might deceive some of you and make you turn away from Jesus. Lies like your sins are too great to be forgiven. I know know you've been forgiven of your sins before, but but this sin, oh, it's too much. God would never forgive that one, that you will turn away from Jesus. Or that your problems are too big to overcome, that your life is hopeless and not worth living, that there's no, there's no reason for why you exist in this world, that in this area, God understands if you compromise your holiness, that the scriptures are they're outdated. Right? They're not true in this area. Right? Listen to the voice of the world. The lie that you can find your satisfaction and your security and your significance in these kinds of things not the things that God says. And so chase what the world chases, or eternal beauty, the next raise or purchase or next relationship, live your life with your own rules, etc. These are all lies. The lies that bombard us all the time. It's the noise of the world that we live in. And it's so easy to submit to them and follow them. Let me ask you, what are the lies that are being whispered into your ears today? What are the lies that are entering your mind that you're allowing to linger on and meditate on today? Things that God's word would disagree on. Do you believe those things? Do you live as if those lies are true for you? Every day in your life, it's a battle for truth. And whether you will hear God's truth and whether you will follow it. That's the battle for Christians. It's the battle for non-Christians. It's a battle for truth versus lies. Have you ever thought about life that way? Have you thought about your non-believing friends that way? And what they need is truth to pierce through the lies. So let's talk a little bit about truth. We live in a world of lies, but against that, God has given us his word of truth, right? This is the last point for me today. In John chapter 8, we see uh, verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, this is what Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus says a few things here. I'm just going to take three things, and they kind of build on each other. The first thing he says is that disciples abide in God's word. A mark of a true disciple of Jesus Christ, Christians abide in the word of God. 
Now, we can say Christians do this or that. We go to church, we pray, etc. Yes, but Jesus here says, Christians, we are immersed in Scripture. We are saturated in the Word. Right? That is what the followers of Jesus Christ are about. It's vital as Christians that we are in the Word of God. Right? That we're reading it, meditating on it, talking about it, or studying it. This is what a disciple is. If you follow Christ, you follow His Word. Second, God's Word is the truth. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth. Again, we have a world that says, this is true, this is good for you, this is hope, this is joy. And Jesus says, no, 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 the truth is in my word. If you know his word, you know the truth. Jesus doesn't say you will know a truth. He doesn't say you will know one version of truth. He says you will know the truth. Right in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. The truth above all truths. The truth that should stand above every other fact that the world might give to you. God's word is that. And we filter everything else that we hear and see in this world through this, this mesh of God's truth. Right? Every movie you see, Every book you read, it filters through God's truth. And we say, no, I know that's what you say, but I disagree. But I will accept this because it aligns with what God's truth says. Right? But Jesus here says God's word is the truth. So disciples abide in the truth of God's word. And number three, this truth will set us free. Disciples are in God's word. God's word is truth and that truth will set you free. That's such a remarkable claim. That if you want to be set free, that if the person that you know outside of church, you want to see them set free, then you need to get in the word. And as they get in the word, they'll know the truth and the truth of Christ will set them free. The question is free from what? Right, that's a question the scribes and the Pharisees ask in verse 33. And the response is free from slavery to sin. As we follow the lies of the world and the enemy, we think it leads to freedom. Right? That's the promise, right? Come this way, it's better for you. Right? Eat of the fruit, it's better for you. It leads, leads to slavery. And you become a slave to sin. And you think you're living the best life you can and you know, YOLO or whatever it is. And oh, Christians, they got all these rules. Oh, you know, boring life. Live this way, it's better. Slavery. You are a slave to sin. The scriptures say. And sometimes you know it and sometimes you don't. And yet what will set you free from that life of slavery, this life of slavery that leads to destruction and death, right? Because Satan is the murderer. The way that you get free from that is truth. For the words of Christ to pierce through the clouds of lies that surround our, our hearts and our minds. For the scriptures to reveal as plain as day, the way things really are. Right? God's truth, it frees us from the lies of the devil. It frees us from a set of man-made morals and ethics of what is right and wrong. That's not really what is right and wrong. God's word frees us from searching for our significance, our satisfaction, our security in the wrong things. And we might find it in Christ and find it freely. Right? It frees us from being self-centered and self-glorifying 
to understand that I'm a small part of God's universe and God is the one that matters above all. It frees us from trying to save ourselves because God's word says that Jesus has done it all for us. My friends, we're in a war, it's a spiritual battle, and the fight is for truth. Individual souls either turn to Christ or not because they've heard the truth about sin and about their Savior. Christians are strengthened or we stumble because we are either abiding in the truth of Christ's word or we're not. Churches flourish or they lose their way because they either clung to God's word or let it go. We are fighting for truth. And so I'm gonna end. I've got two uh, things I wanna say to you. Number one, guard the truth. Everything I've said hopefully explains why the Bible matters so much. Why going back to the scriptures matters so much. You know, as individuals, it's important for you to guard the truth for yourself. At first, know what the Bible says, to read it, to study it, and to protect what is true. Again, because we're surrounded by, by lies. And the enemy would love for you to follow a distorted truth or for you to deny God's truth. But if you can guard what you know is true in the Bible, you'll be protected. And that's not only for you, but it, that's true for the church. Right? In 2 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And what had been entrusted to Timothy is the scriptures. Right? It's the gospel word. He's saying guard it. You know, throughout history, ever since the church was birthed, it's been under the attack and influence from heresy and the world, to let go of the truth, to change your theology, right, to believe these wrong things. And the church has always existed. One of the roles of the church is to guard the truth, to make sure that we're protecting the scriptures, good doctrine, right theology, right, that we, we don't stray, we don't distort the truth and end up like a, like a heretic church. Right? It's so important for the church to guard the truth. Right now, we are in t- under attack. For the church to believe or to say, you know, this is right, right, because the world says it is. In areas of sexuality, morality, ethics, identity, abortion, the role of men and women in the family, about God, heaven, hell. But what the world will tell us is true is different from what the Bible says. And it's so important for the church to protect what God's word says. You know, at times that might mean that, you know, we stand out, uh, that we're different, that we will be the minority in saying this is what I believe is true. You know, one day, every single person in this world will stand before God and they will see and know what is true. On that day, everyone will know what God has said has always been true. 
Right? The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. And on that day, for those of us who stood for the truth, we'll be vindicated. Right? On this earth, we're made fun of maybe, we look foolish, we're minority, we're waiting on that day. One day, the truth will be made known to everyone. Everyone will bend their knee and submit and know that God has always been true. And this isn't about being right and wrong. This isn't us saying, oh, we're right and you, know, you don't know the truth. This is about worship. It's about pleasing God. It's about obedience. It's about the path to freedom and life. And so, guard the truth for yourself and Kingsway. We exist to guard the truth of the scriptures. Number two, speak the truth. In general, in a very broad sense, you know, whatever comes out of your mouth, let it be true. White lies, exaggeration, broken promises, speak the truth. Right in John chapter eight, when Jesus talks about the devil, he says he's a liar and he speaks lies out of his character. You know, what he actually says is, you are like your father and your father is the devil. Right, he's speaking to a group of people and he's saying, you're of the father, your devil, who lies and that's why you lie. In contrast, he says, our father is a father of truth right? and that truth sets us free. And as Christians, our father is God. He speaks truth and so we should be like our father right? and we should speak truth. But not just in that general sense, we should speak the truth of the gospel. Disciples abide in God's word. God's word is the truth and the truth sets us free. Right? Do you believe that? Do you believe that the truth that we find in the scriptures, right, namely the truth about Jesus, right, the good news of Jesus, do you believe that sets people free? If the battle for souls is a battle for truth, then God's people need conviction and courage to speak the truth about Jesus. God has chosen to put that precious gospel treasure in jars of clay into us that we might preach Christ crucified as the Apostle Paul says. To some it will stumble, to some it will look foolish, but to others it will be the aroma of Christ to God. We are called to speak the truth that people will be set free. I read a devotional this week from Ligonier. It says none of us is seeking to live in conflict with the people around us. And so we are always tempted to make the gospel inoffensive in order that we might preserve the peace. But the gospel is, 1 Corinthians 1, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. And so the elect of God, the Christians, they show their faith by trusting a message that runs contrary to the lies of our culture. If what is called the gospel never offends, right? Not, the, not us offending, but if the gospel never offends, it is not the true gospel. Right? The message of Jesus is offensive because it says you're a sinner. It means there's something wrong with you. It means you're gonna go to eternity in hell. But it also says there is a way for salvation, right? But it will offend. And for the sake of not offending someone, if we shut our mouths and we never speak the truth, well, people will not know about Jesus and they will not be set free. Right? That's what Romans 10 says. How then will they call on him who have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Right, for someone to call on Jesus and be saved, they first need to believe. But to believe, that means they first need to hear about Jesus. And for them to hear, someone needs to go preach to them about Jesus. And that is you. That's you. And, and me. But that's also you. That's why we exist on this world. That's why we're not just zoop, zipped up to heaven. We have a reason and a purpose for why we're here on earth, for why God has placed you into your workplaces, into the spheres of influence, right? It is mainly to get money or to have good times and, you know, I don't know go rock climbing and all that good stuff, yes. But it's also that you will be a representative of Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus was the light of the world. Right? He says, I am the light of the world. And he also says that you are the light of the world. Right? I find that so interesting. And I think that's because Jesus is the one who saves, but as he goes to heaven, he's like, now I'm passing it on to you. I'm passing on that baton to you that you might then go on and tell people about me because it is you that will shine in this world that people in darkness who have veiled eyes might see what is true. They might see the light and that they might be saved. And so I send you. So go, guard the truth, but also go and speak the truth. And... You know, if, if it's difficult, invite them to church. And hopefully here at church, they will hear about Jesus, right? either through the preaching of the word or through other people. As I close, I've got an illustration. It's a perfect illustration, um, but it's going to show a bit of my age. Do you guys know the movie Matrix? I know they've got a new one. I haven't seen it. I heard it's not that good. But in the first one, in the first one there's this scene where Neo, uh, played by Keanu Reeves, he meets Morpheus, right? And it's the first time that they've met. Uh, if you don't know the movie, I'm going to kind of spoil it, and that's okay because it's like 500 years old now. Neo lives in a world of lies, right? He's, he thinks this is the real world, and he's living life. And Morpheus is like, that's a lie, right? You're not really living in the real world. And so they sit down together. There's this famous scene, and Morpheus says this. Oh, I don't think, okay, I don't have it. This is what he says. It is a world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Blind you. That's what John 8 said. Blind you. And Neo says, what truth? And Morpheus says, that you are a slave, Neo. Mm, right? Lies. Leaning. They copied John chapter 8 and stuff. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison you cannot smell or taste or touch. And then he offers Neo two pills, right? Blue pill or red pill? If you take the blue pill, he's going to wake up and he's going to live the life that he lived, you know, believing whatever he wants. If he takes the red pill, he's going to continue that journey, right, of seeing what is real. And as Neo reaches for the red pill, Morpheus kind of stops and he says, remember, all I'm offering is the truth. Nothing more. That's it. All he's offering is the truth. This is the simple truth. But that's all that's needed. And the moment Neo takes that and he sees the truth, he sees reality, he sees the way things really are, right? The, he understands that the life that he'd lived was a life of lies, and now he sees the truth. It changes everything for him, and not just for him. It changes you know, the people around him, and it changes the world. And that's the same with us. 
You know, for you as you go out and you, you live your life, what you need is, is it's not something, anything grand. It's not something kind of supernatural or miraculous. What you need is the truth, right? The simple truth. And it might not seem that spectacular, but the truth will set you free. And what you have to offer for the people around you is the truth. And you go up to them and you offer them the, the truth of the, God's word. And they may take it and they may not. But it's up to them to receive it and it's up to the Holy Spirit and the work of God to open their eyes with the truth. And that truth, that simple truth is all they need and it will set them free. It's a fight for truth, guys. Right, let's fight for that ourselves. And let's fight for that in the world. All right, let's close our eyes and let's pray. And as we pray, well, let's pray for two things. Number one, let's just pray that we might guard the truth. That you might, for your own life, guard the truth. That you will get into God's word. That you will abide in the word of Christ. That you will understand it more and in the process understand God more. Understand what is true more. God, I want to protect the truth for my own self. Beginning with knowing it meditating on it, understanding it, living it. But let me guard it. I commit myself, God, to going deeper into your word and protecting it for myself in the midst of a world full of noise and its own opinion and its own philosophies and its own standard of morals and ethics with its own version of truth. I want to go to the source of truth. I want to go to you. Speak to me. Reveal what is true to me. Let me guard the truth. But second, can we pray, God, I want to speak the truth. Give me courage and conviction to go out into this world, this world of people that I love and I deeply care about who believe different things. And according to your word, God, they're believing lies. Let me offer to them the truth. And God, Holy Spirit, would you work to open their hearts up to receive this truth. And that this simple truth might set them free. Can you make that your prayer? Guard the truth, speak the truth, and commit yourself to these things. And then we'll sing a song. Let's pray.